This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made to order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I'm always chomping at the bait. I'm a football coach, competitive. So, I mean, this, the result, I mean, again, we got 17 opportunities, all this hard work each week throughout the year for 17 opportunities. I'm always chomping at the bait. That's what I do. I mean, that's what we do. We coach football. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Defensive coordinator Patrick Graham has us coming back, talking about chomping at the bit to get back out there. Question I asked him, when you put in a bad performance, are you willing to, you know, how excited are you, how fired up are you to get back out there and get your unit back out there in the case of defensive coordinator Patrick Graham as they have a tough task in front of them, Monday Night Football, the Detroit Lions Week 8 action. will start turning the page to the Detroit Lions coming up tomorrow. Uh, excited about having former Lions safety uh, Glover Quinn on the show to talk about the Lions. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, plus, we got other people lined up to talk about the Raiders and the Lions, like Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network, uh, just to name a few. We'll have Paloma Villacana on to talk about the Aces and UNLV, as we do each and every Wednesday. So without even really putting the show together for tomorrow, We've already kind of put the show together for tomorrow, so excited about that. But that's for tomorrow. We're still here on today. Coming up at 4.30, Coach Brent Browner, Bishop Gordon head, Bishop Gorman head coach, will join us. He is the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient, Bishop Gorman 10-0, and the number one seed in Division one five a So excited about the, the opportunity to talk to Coach Browner coming up at 4.30. But want to hear from you, 69187, keyword r and or text line. We threw the question out there with the Raiders losing to the Bears on Sunday. How does that affect or change their approach at the trade deadline? And is there a trade or two out there that you'd make for the Raiders to improve the team, the team long term? That's either trading for a player or maybe trading a player that's currently on the roster to another team. A couple quick texts, and then we'll get to Patrick Graham, what he had to say earlier today. This is from the 707Q. If Jeff Saturday could coach a team to a W, Lincoln could coach his team better than McDaniels tomorrow. And, look, I'll say this. I don't, I don't want to compare and contrast coaches this, coaches that. I think Lincoln would do a fantastic job. I've said that for a while. Uh, many of Raider Nation have said that for a while, that he would be a fantastic coach. I think he knows he'd be a fantastic coach. But there is a lot of responsibility that goes into being uh, a head coach, especially of a pro team. You know what I mean? Could you imagine, like, High school's one thing where you're kind of, you know, you're the guy that they look up to. They want to go out there and they want to put their best foot forward. They want to give their effort. They want to get on the field. College, that's eh, a little more challenging because you got to go recruiting and you got to do stuff like that. Now they got NIL, the transfer portal. You got to keep mama and daddy happy. Like, there's a lot of political BS that you got to do. Not necessarily politics, but you know what I mean by political BS when you're a college head coach. And then the NFL, you're dealing with pros. You're dealing with guys that most likely are making more money than you, right? And so when you're doing that, sometimes it's a lot more difficult to really be in charge 100% because a lot of times those guys, they have a lot to say. Now, the good thing is it's not the NBA where they have everything to say. They're the end-all, be-all. The coach is just the kind of the guy that's there. <laughs> Who's the guy that's not playing? Oh, that's the coach. Okay, cool. 
So I do think that Lincoln would do a fantastic job if he wants to, but I understand the responsibilities and what would and what it would take to be that guy. Uh, Mailman Raider hit us up, 69187, keyword r If we make any trade, I think we go for uh, Michael Onwenu. Uh, he's offensive lineman from the Patriots. I think we could all agree that the D is performing way better than the O. The weak link on the, on the offensive line is the right side of the line. Uh, Onwenu plays there, and he plays both tackle and guard. The run game to get this going is uh, – the run game has to get going if this O has any chance, and this may be the way to do it. Put him at right tackle, Jermaine at right guard. He already knows the scheme from playing with the Patriots. That's just my two cents. Also, props to you for getting through yesterday's show. I was feeling you. Laugh my ass off. Have a good rest of your day. Raiders. That's from Mailman Raider. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a couple offensive linemen that could be had at the tra- trade deadline. And like we were talking with Lincoln just a little while ago, for the longest, man, that right side of that offensive line has been a problem. And the Raiders, it's not like they've ignored it. They've tried to fix it, right? There was years of, I mean, you can go all the way back to, like, Khalif Barnes when he was the guy there for a while. Then they had other guys in that spot. Then they went out and gave the big money to Trent Brown to hold down that spot, and he was good half the time. That's all he played was 50% of the time that he was with the Raiders. Uh, you know, and then, but he was good when he was out there, just wasn't out there enough. Uh, of course, you got Jermaine Illuminor who's been there. You've got Thayer Mumford who's been there, and, you know, it's just it just seems like they can't get right when it comes to that right side, uh, both the guard and the tackle position, really. It's just been a, a revolving door, and we'd love to see. I think Lincoln brought up a great point that he said the offensive lines across the NFL that are the best offensive lines across the NFL are the ones that have been together the longest. And that's the one thing that this Raiders offensive line has not had ever since, what, Donald Penn and, um, and Rodney Hudson and – uh, who else did they have? They didn't have Colton Miller at the time. Who else did they have? Now, hell, I forget that offensive line. But that was that was the really good offensive line that the, the Raiders had uh, back in the day when, when Carr got injured against Indianapolis on that Christmas Eve game. They had a really solid offensive line. Matter of fact, that was the only sack Donald Penn gave up all year was the one that, that broke Derek Carr's ankle. Uh, I remember being at that game like it was yesterday. That was Christmas Eve, and that was everything but a Christmas gift for Raider Nation. But that's the last time that they had really a dominant offensive line and uh it's 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 unfortunate right they got to get back to to being that of course Colton Miller is a steady steady force at that left tackle spot um you know I think Dylan Parham is going to be pretty solid at the left guard Andre James is actually graded out pretty well according to pro football focus but you start looking at that right side and you start wondering who's going to solidify it uh if Thayer Mufford could be that guy you heard Lincoln say that you know he he's a better power blocking uh, offensive lineman as opposed to zone blocking lineman where Jermaine Illuminor is a better zone-blocking offensive lineman than he is a power-blocking. So I can see where the confusion could come in. When he talks about communication on the offensive line, I can totally see where it comes in. You got two guys that do two different things really well, and they can't do both at the same time. (laughs) You can't power-block and zone-block at the same time. That ain't going to work. And I think sometimes, to be honest, not trying to be funny, they might be out there doing that. They might get a little confused when he says lack of communication. Uh, one more quick text, and then we'll hear from Patrick Graham. This one's from East Bay Raider Gray. It says, why I pound the table so much for a creator at the quarterback position like a Caleb Williams is that he'll take pressure off that offensive line and open up an RPO game and help the running game tremendously and open the playbook. That's where he excels over Drake May. May is not like Josh Allen. Uh, Jay is, May is a lot like Josh Allen and will run more uh, than the create the space to make a play. That's from East Bay Raider Gray. And, look, I've been in the camp for a while, for a long while now. Uh, I was actually in the camp pounding the table for Jalen Hurts when he was still at Oklahoma. I thought that that would have been the way to go. You know, have him sit behind Derek Carr. When he's ready to take over, he could take over. And that's not forcing Derek Carr out. That was just allowing Jalen Hurts to to 
get better and, and work his way into being a serviceable, a really good quarterback in the NFL. And, of course, you know, different, different teams bring different successes. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts would be the Jalen Hurts he is th- these days uh, with the Raiders, but I think he had a good chance because of his work ethic. And he does have the ability to run, but he doesn't necessarily have to run. He's not a guy like Lamar Jackson when he came into the league where it's just run, 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 run. But he can. You know, he ran for, what, 700, 800-something yards. I was firmly in the camp of, of drafting Jalen Hurts. And, unfortunately, for the Raiders, who I know liked him a lot, uh, the Eagles got to him first. The Raiders had an opportunity to go get him. They chose to get Damon Arnett in the first round. Uh, and when it's all said and done, probably should have gone and made the move for a Jalen Hurts as opposed to Damon Arnett. Because at least Jalen Hurts is still in the league where Damon Arnett is not. So that obviously didn't work out. But I'm, I'm all for uh, a mobile quarterback. I'm all for a guy that could br- uh, bring the RPO game into it. Uh, not necessarily a guy that's got to run for 1,000 yards like a Justin Fields or a guy like that, but a dude that's got that ability. I think that that's the way that you've got to go. I know that's not Aiden O'Connell's game, uh, but I could appreciate him trying to at least, you know, move around a little bit and, and get out of harm's way. And you saw him pick up a few yards as well, a little green grass he picked up uh, in the preseason. So uh, I'm like, Maybe he's the quarterback of the future for the Raiders. I'm sure we'll find out sooner rather than later. But my preference, and this is just my preference, is a guy that has the ability to move around. Just like you see Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's not his first option. But he'll be damned if you're going to get him to the ground that easy. Right? He sees some grass. He's going to go take it. And he's going to pick up a first down. He's going to keep it pushing. So, again, that's, that's my preference. And there's a lot of different options that you can – you can get in this draft coming up next year as far as the quarterback goes. And maybe the Raiders are in that category, and maybe they're not. We'll find out, obviously, sooner rather than later. But thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Now I want to go to Patrick Graham. Uh, we got a chance to catch up with him today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center around 11 o'clock this morning. We also caught up with offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi. We'll hear from Coach Graham here. Off top, I asked him about the surprise in the run game and the fact that the Bears had so much success when everybody, we talked about it in great length on this show. We talked about it at great length in the media sessions. I asked Coach McDaniels, I asked Coach Graham about it last week, about the run game and knowing that that's what the Bears wanted to do and they still were able to get it done. So how surprised was he that the Bears had that much success in the run game? No one's ever happy when the team's able to run the ball uh, the way they did. And, you know, looking at this week with Detroit, it's going to be the same thing in terms of they like to run the ball. They do a good job. Their head coach, you know, just his persona and just his personality, you could tell he's he's rooted in the run game. And their success is rooted in the run game. So we got a challenge ahead of us right now, but never want, want anybody to run the ball successfully. That's, that's, a tough, that's, a tough, that's tough for a defense. Well, they ran successfully. They ran successfully really, really well, right? Almost six yards of carry. Deontay Foreman looked like a pro bowler, right? I mean, he, he's got other teams looking at him like, wait, hold on. Did we miss something in him? He's a guy that was drafted out of the University of Texas. He was in Houston for a while, and they liked him, and he hurt himself, and he never tried to rehab. Like, he didn't work hard to rehab. He actually gained a lot of weight. He got out of shape, and they moved on from him. He's been with a couple different teams. He's kind of been a journeyman around the league, was in Carolina for a little while. Uh, now he's there in Chicago as a backup. And he went out there and he torched the Raiders on Sunday. That's just something that shouldn't happen. So another question that I asked Coach Graham earlier today was about the energy and effort, something that I've talked about quite a bit on the show, talked with Lincoln about it. You heard his thoughts on it. Um, I've asked Ed Graney about the energy and effort. So I asked Coach Graham, when you looked at the film, did you see the energy and effort you wanted from your defense? I think just in terms of just last week, just 
Again, it starts with me first and foremost. I mean, I don't think I did a good job putting them in the right spots, and and it just it just was a bad result. Bad result for uh, last week, and I know this. We're working hard right now upstairs in the classroom, the coaches. We're going to work hard when the players get back tomorrow in terms of trying to rectify the situation, and that's that's the main focus right now. Again, can't, can't spend too much time on the week before. You got to learn from it, and then you got to move on, and we got another opportunity, and thankfully it's Monday night against the Detroit Lions and get a chance against a really good team, and it's going to be a big challenge. So as you can tell, he danced around it a little bit, right? He danced, he danced around that question, uh, never mentioned if he uh, liked the energy or the effort. Obviously he didn't, right? But I wanted him to have the opportunity to say that instead of me suggest to him. That's the one thing I never want to do is suggest the answer to somebody. I always want someone to give the answer, right? Give the honest answer, and that's like interviewing 101. Like you don't want to lead the – lead the person that you're talking to. You want to ask him a question and leave it open for them to answer. So when I asked, did he see the energy and effort that he wanted to on defense, he probably should have said, well, no, nah, I wasn't really where it was supposed to be. But he put it on himself, and I respect that. He put it on himself. He didn't put them in the right position to go make the plays. He's not going to throw guys under the bus. Uh, matter of fact, with his next answer that you're going to hear, you'll hear exactly that. But clearly the energy and the effort was not there. And like Lincoln Kennedy pointed out, it really snowballed after the Raiders didn't get that field goal uh, on that first drive. Daniel Carlson kicked that field goal, missed it. He was dealing with a little bit of a groin injury, and it just seemed like it kind of snowballed from there. So I mentioned the, the next question about not throwing guys under the bus. Vinny asked him a question about Marcus Peters in particular, right? Because he, again, kind of danced around the question I asked about energy and effort. So Vinny followed up with, okay, how about Marcus Peters in that tackle or that attempt at a tackle that was not really what it looked like when you saw that on film? You know, what were you thinking? And, you know, is there something you could do to prevent that from happening in the future? There's several plays, again, whether it's, you know, whoever it is that, that we want back. Whenever the result is what it was, I mean, 30 to 12, I mean, there are a lot of plays that everybody wants back. I mean, there's a lot of there's calls I want back. So to single out one person when the result like that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not with that. That's just not me. We got we got it's a collective. There's 11 people playing defense, and we got we got to play with ball. We got to play with great effort each play. That's part of a good defense. We got to be able to tackle. We got to be able to stop the run and minimize the passing game. And I got to do a good job of putting those guys in the right spot. But I'm not. That's not my. That's not my program. So he's not going to single out a person to us, right? And, and that's fine if he doesn't. That's okay, right? I mean, because we all saw it. We all saw it, and, and we know. Uh, hell, we talked to Amber Thea Harris on the show yesterday, and her and James Jones and Eric Allen, they pointed out that play. They rewound that play. They talked about that play in great length on the, on the Silver and Black show, you know, following the game. Obviously, that was one of those that shouldn't – it just shouldn't happen, right? It just, it just shouldn't. And it, it showed a lack of, of, of want to. What did Lincoln say uh, in, when we talked to him? That 90% of the game is mental. You know, everyone has the physical ability to go out there and play, but 90% of it is mental. And it's it's all it's all about what you want to do in that instance, you know, and it happened a couple of times. One, Marcus Peters got trucked. Another one, he just kind of put his arm out there like, hey, I'm going to try to tackle you, but not really. Like he wasn't interested in tackling him. And I get it. That's not his that's not his forte. All right. He's the guy that gets his hands on the ball and goes the other way. Problem is, is he hasn't got his hands on the ball and gone the other way yet either. Had a couple opportunities, but hasn't been able to secure the deal. Uh, he, you know, he helped out and assisted with Robert Spillane getting that interception uh, a couple, what, a few weeks ago against Green Bay. Was it against Green Bay? I, don't, I think it was against Green Bay. I don't know who it was against at this point. It just, it, again, it all snowballs at, at a certain point. But uh, whatever game it was where they had multiple interceptions, Spillane had multiple interceptions. I want to say that it was against Green Bay, but 
you know, at this point, like I said, all these games start piling up on each other. That's really the highlight of what he's done. Is uh is, is yeah that was Green Bay because they had three interceptions that game and uh, Meek Robertson sealed the deal at the end so yeah I mean that's that's really what he's done and that's unfortunate just because again he's a guy that was expected to come in and help be a playmaker on the defensive side of things as he told us right I'm not putting words in his mouth he's like hey when you're out there man you're the wide receiver on defense right when the ball's in the air it's, you're the guy it's 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 up to you to go get it he hasn't gone and gotten it yet right and and that's something that is uh is unfortunate because his team has not created enough turnovers. They they are trying to. They're having a better effort on creating turnovers, but they're not there yet uh, with uh, five interceptions so far on the season. Uh, continuing on with what Patrick Graham had to say earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center, this is about preparing for the Lions game and really when it comes to tackling and, and going up against those guys who's a tough, a tough out, not to mention they're coming off a real bad loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Going to practice, you know, when we start practicing tomorrow, just in terms of angles, closing the angles, get uh, under control, wrapping up basic fundamentals and just practice, practice it a lot, just practice a lot because we're going to have to deal with it this week with Detroit. A lot of skilled players who are dynamic. I think they might lead the league and run, run after contact or yards after contact, yards after catch, whatever it is. So we got a work cut out. So that's just, you know, again, working on tackling, Working after, you know, getting after these guys in the Lions that are going to be tough to to get down because they're able to they're able to break a lot of tackles, and that's what uh, the Raiders had was a lot of missed tackles on Sunday against the Bears, and you know a lot of broken tackles. I think they were credited with like 13 missed tackles, I want to say, according to Pro Football Focus, 13, and I think four of them alone were to Marcus Peters on 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 the on the strength of Marcus Peters. So it's it's not very good. Uh, the final soundbite from Coach Graham is about Jared Goff. He's found new life in Detroit after being kind of cast away in L.A. They wanted to go get Matt Stafford. They did go get Matt Stafford. They won a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford. And, well, Jared Goff was just kind of like collateral damage. Oh, we'll send you back to Detroit. Here, here's a guy, not the guy. Well, he's all of a sudden proven that he can be the guy. They went and drafted Hendon Hooker, but he's, you know, the backup. Obviously, he's kind of redshirting this year as, as he's uh, rehabbing from that torn ACL that he had his final year there at Tennessee. Uh, I think he has a chance to be somebody. He's not that guy right now. Right now, the guy is Jared Goff. So here's Coach Graham talking about Jared Goff and watching his film and seeing how he operates. How he's manipulating the coverage. You know, he's doing a good job of looking off. Uh, how he's delivering the ball. He's finding the guys in the right spot. You know, he's able to reach different spots on the field, and you can see that, the growth. Again, it's year eight for him, so, I mean, I'm saying the growth from the last time I faced him was a long time ago, but just you see the maturity as a quarterback. He's, you know, the, he's comfortable in the pocket. He's comfortable making checks at the line of scrimmage. He's comfortable saying, hey, let's take the profit. So that's when you see really the maturation process of a quarterback. And that's the beautiful thing of being in this thing for 15 years. Now you, see, you get a chance to see guys grow and just he's doing a really good job. And he's found a nice spot for himself up there in Detroit. So there you go. Patrick Graham right there talking about Jared Goff. We'd love to get your feedback on what you're hearing. 69187 keyword R&R. That is our don'tbebroke.com text line. You can always tweet us as well at R&R 920 AM at RE Produces at your boy Q254. Uh, quick hit a sub and say, Q ball. I don't believe a word Pat Graham says. His energy is fake and his X and O game is suspect. Can't scheme up against Bajit. And that's that's the thing that, that kind of bothered me. And I gave Patrick Graham a lot of credit for what he's been able to do the last few weeks uh, as a defensive coordinator for the Raiders uh, and getting those guys in the right position. And I'm not saying that he's uh, a, a bad defensive coordinator at all. I think that he's pretty good at what he does. But it did baffle me that Tyson Bajit, an undrafted free agent, was able to have the success that he had against the Raiders and that they didn't force him to beat them. 
right? I mean, we talked to Ed Graney, and he was talking about the numbers and how, I mean, Bajan only really averaged, like, what, two yards in the air for his passes? Not like he was stretching the field or anything. He wasn't doing anything wow. But I would have thought that, that Patrick Graham, as a, as a seasoned veteran when it comes to a defensive coordinator, would have forced him to beat them. Said, okay, we're not going to let Deontay Foreman or anybody else trying to run the ball beat us. What we're going to do is make that guy beat us. And if he does, you tip the cap and say, well done, rookie. But if he doesn't and, and, and you all of a sudden let the run game go, then you're wondering, like, what, what happened? What happened with the, with the scheme right there? What's going on? So that's, that's, that's what bothered me when it came to the defense on Sunday against the Bears. Uh, we got this one, this text from the 707. The Lions are going to be angry after what Baltimore did to them, so I expect them to absolutely clobber us in front of a national audience on Monday Night Football. It's from the 707. And I, I, I don't want to act like, you know, that that's a foregone conclusion, but they are going to be ramped up. They're going to be at home. It's very loud in, in, uh, you know, in, in their building inside the dome. And, and, again, like you mentioned, coming off that, that loss, that bad loss to Baltimore, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna smell blood in the water, especially if they can get on top of the Raiders early. It's gonna be so uh, important for the Raiders in this game on Monday Night Football to come out and and get off to a quick start, maybe to quiet the crowd a little bit. If you notice, the Lions fans have been traveling really well. It didn't matter if it was going to Kansas City, it didn't matter if it was going to Green Bay, it didn't matter where it was going. They have been traveling really well with the excitement of this Lions team. So uh, the Raiders are gonna have to do their best to kind of quiet them down. Uh, from the jump and give them an opportunity to go out there and play at a high level. So you heard from Coach Patrick Graham. How about Coach Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator? This is a question I asked him about uh, the offensive weapons. The same thing I asked Coach McDaniels about on Monday, about just not getting the offense jump-started, especially with all the weapons that they have. You know, what has he seen as far as the problem and going forward trying to get that thing going? Yeah, I think you just you want to, I would say, have a mixture of, I would say, sustained drives and then some big plays to counteract those. Um, we haven't done a good enough job, I would say, overall of just sustaining the drives we have. The drives we have sustained, finishing those in the red zone and then taking advantage of some of the big play opportunities. We get the pass interference call to Trey Tucker in the game, and then you know we can't convert that into six points. So um, we got to take advantage of the big, big play opportunities that we get, and then the drives that we do sustain, we can't mess up with penalties and turnovers in the red area. It's kind of been our crux the entire season. One of the things Josh said for the game is, you know, it's not preseason anymore when, in regards to Aiden. And yep. There's still, you know, he sees practice every day. And you guys see yeah. practice every day. What do you guys still want to see from him uh, in terms of his development? I think just the level of consistency every day and everything he does. Um, Aiden's a smart guy who works hard, tries to get better. But I think the the speed of the game is something you can't really see in practice. Um, so, uh, but I think in terms of just his preparation and mindset and the way he goes into it and consistently making the right plays and the right decisions on every play um, is something that you look for at every quarterback, especially Aiden. So, you know, moving forward, we'll try and do that, and he'll try and do a good job of that. So there's Coach Lombardi right there talking about the offensive weapons not getting going. What's it going to take to get the offense going? Then you heard a follow-up question from Adam Hill about Aiden O'Connell and, you know, what their, you know, kind of expectations are, how to get him up to speed. And, you know, there's a difference as Coach McDaniels. I know a lot of people didn't want to hear it. Difference between preseason and the regular season. And I think they saw a lot from him in that Chargers game, a lot that they knew that they had to clean up, and they're going to continue to work on that. And at some point, they'll pass the sticks on to Aiden and see what he's got uh, in, a, in a capacity where it's multiple games to really understand – what the young man brings to the table. So one of the other areas of concern for the Raiders offense has obviously been the lack of a run game. And 
I asked about what Coach McDaniel says all the time, execution, penalties, right? I mean, that's, those are the words that they use. So I asked about missed blocks, ex- execution, how that has impacted the running game. Yeah, I think, I think we're there. I think we're right there. You know, I'm looking forward to getting started this week, and I'm waiting for that break that breakout game because I think we, we have a chance to get it because I see how close we are and see how close that, you know, we have a chance to really break out a big one or, or get going. I know the offensive line really is chomping at the bit to get that done. J.J. definitely is. The skill guys are, you know. So um, we're right there. Our execution needs to be a little bit better. Um, so we got to do a good job as coaches putting a good, together a good plan this week in the running game because the Detroit's a very good run defense. I think second in the league, giving up 75 yards a game. So we got to bring our A game and be ready to go. You know, we get everybody's best every week, you know, so we want to make sure we give our best and accept the challenge and go because um, there's going to be a burden to try and run the football this week in a dome in Detroit. So we got to do a good job of that with a good plan and a good level of execution. Offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi right there talking about the run game and what they've got to do to be able to make it happen. And you heard what he said, that they're close. Well, okay, so final soundbite from him. How close are they to getting Josh Jacobs going and having a big breakout game? I think when you watch the tape and you watch kind of us as an offense, you see, you know, we kind of all, every position kind of maybe takes a turn and mistake or a level of execution. And we have to do a better job, I would say, overall as, as a coaching staff and a and player perspective of just not letting one mistake affect other plays and just moving on and moving forward. And then I would say just, you know, executing a play all 11 together. You know, this isn't like, you know, we always talk about it's not like you're all, we're not independent contractors. We all have to work together as a unit, and if one player messes up a certain aspect of the play, the play's not going to work. And it's not like we have five at a time, going five bombs going off at one time. It's really one little thing here and there that, you know, was a four-yard gain, but, man, if we did the little better, that would have been 15, 20 yards. So I think that's what we have to try and get at, a little bit more strain, a little bit more execution from all 11 guys on a more consistent basis. I think right there we'll see a good performance for us as an offense and where we want to be at least, or improvement. Uh, Coach Mick Lombardi right there, offensive coordinator for the Silver and Black, talking about how close Josh Jacobs is to having a breakout game. And I think the key is some of those plays that go for four yards, three yards, could easily go for 15 yards if all the right blocks are in the right place, uh, the right, you know, spacing is where it needs to be you hit the hole at the right time like there's a lot of things that go into it obviously and it just has not clicked yet and unfortunately seven games are already in the book so sooner rather than later you'd hope that things would get turned around and Josh Jacobs would be able to have a breakout game but as you heard Mick Lombardi say uh, the Lions have a really good run defense so they're gonna have the work cut out for them on Monday night going against those Detroit Lions in that defense so we've got some more sound bites from Coach Lombardi we'll get to him a little bit later on the show we may get to some uh, Las Vegas Aces parade sound as well before we close out the show but coming up next Coach Brent Browner Bishop Gordon High School he is the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week award recipient you'll hear uh, that conversation next as we talk about the award and the season that the Gales is having as they are the number one seed this is Red Nation Radio 920 this podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. It's time for Q's weekly interview with the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. 
And joining us now on the phone lines is Coach Brent Browner from Bishop Gorman High School. He is the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. And, Coach, congratulations on that. But more importantly, congratulations on locking up the number one seed in 5A Division One after top of Coronado 49-7. Thank you so much. Uh, the kids have been playing great this year, so just proud of them. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big deal. It's a big accomplishment. We know the expectations each and every year. Bishop Gorman, they're obviously higher than just the number one seed. But when you get that, when you get that number one seed, how does that feel? Does it ever get old? You know, uh, we've just been telling the kids to just keep grinding. You know, nothing's over right now. We just want to be ranked number one at the end after our last game. We're not really worried about it right now. Not only are you the number one seed, but also had the undefeated season going 10 and 0. How much pride does your team have in that accomplishment? A lot. You know, they put a lot of work in. You know, we started last January, and, and uh, it's a fruits of labor, uh, and it's a lot of hard work and discipline they put in. I think they're um, seeing the fruits of that labor come through right now. Do the players ever feel any extra pressure knowing the tradition that Bishop Gorman has? I mean, I'm sure they do. Um, you know, the, we try to manage expectations, make sure that we, you know, just focus on the little things that we can control and, and not get too overwhelmed by all the things that do happen here and all the, you know, the trips, the travel, the TV, all the things that kind of happen. We just, you know, take it one day at a time and uh, just try to keep it simple for the kids. Coach Brent Browner from Bishop Gorman is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. So as I mentioned, you're the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. What does that mean for you and, and also your program? You know, just to be recognized is an honor. I know there's a lot of great other coaches that are out there that either have gotten this reward or also deserve it. So uh, just humbled and appreciative to uh, be considered. How important is it that the Raiders are a professional organization in town and they're so heavily involved with high school athletics? I think it's big. You know, uh, I grew up in Iowa. We didn't have a professional team. Um, but I think these guys are able to see um, a professional team actually be involved, host events there for them. They get a closer look into the, the organization itself. And, you know, some of these guys uh, might have a chance to play professional football. So it kind of gives you, um, you're able to see what you want to do. And it makes it easier to go do something that you want to do after you've seen it in, in real life. You mentioned guys that want to go play professional. They want to play on Saturdays, want to earn scholarships, and a lot of them from Bishop Gorman do. How, how much does that help to be able to, as you mentioned, kind of go to the facility and check out the indoor and check out the players and, you know, go play state championship games at Allegiant Stadium like the last couple seasons? You know, it means a lot. Like I said, just having that, that piece where you can see it and then being able to see it and you can do it after that. Um, when you can do those things, you know, it really just uh, it gives you a clearer picture, uh, makes it more real. And when it's more real, you're able to obtain it. Coach Brett Browner from Bishop Gorman is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Coach, you mentioned that you are from Iowa. There's some big-time football played in Iowa. What what got you into coaching? What just got you into football in general? Um, you know, I just as a kid loved to play football more than any sport. And uh, I got into coaching after um, I got done playing arena ball. And I just got into it for a simple reason. If I can just help one other kid, um, if I can help one other kid just become better at football than you know, that's kind of really what I started uh, just doing that. You know, I didn't get a lot of help on my journey, so I just wanted to help somebody else uh, on their journey. How big is that for coaches to realize that it's more than just wins and losses, especially being a high school football coach, that you have to be best friends, you have to be the father sometimes, the mentor. You know, you have to be a lot of different hats outside of just coach. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of hats for a lot of different kids. Um, and, you know, I think it's the, 
the biggest part of doing high school football is what it makes it so great. It is. I love high school football Friday nights, whatever night it is, Thursday night, state championship games. It's awesome. And, you know, we talked about playing on Saturdays. And, of course, both the Branch brothers are at USC, both Bishop Gorman alums. Uh, but younger brother, Zachariah, good friend of the show, he's been, uh, he's been putting it on uh, as a true freshman there at USC, really become a big-time weapon. What have you seen and how proud are you of uh, Zachariah Branch? Uh, super proud of him and his brother. Um, you know, they both of, uh, were, were great kids here for us at Bishop Gorman. They played the hard town all the time, um, you know, and just to see them achieve what they're doing this young is just amazing. Um, it wasn't, you know, surprise, I guess, to us that it would happen, but, you know, I, it's just good to see those guys uh, continue their success. Does that give extra motivation to your players because they see their peers that did it? They see them at USC. They see DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson at Cleveland in the NFL. Does that kind of motivate your players a little bit more? Yeah, like I said, just being able to see something to attain it is really, really important. You know, if you've never seen it or, you know, thought it was possible, then, you know, you might not strive to get there. But I think uh, being able to see that for these young men, is it's, it's really possible. And it's, it's uh, you know, coming here is giving you a, a leg up to that path forward, I think. Um, helps them tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, as I mentioned, 10-0, number one seed. Uh, the next time you're in action, November 3rd, uh, TBD is as far as opponent goes. What, what do you do? What does your program do to stay sharp in the in the meantime and between time? You know, we're just working. Same thing, just grinding, weight room, practice, um, kind of just getting ready for everything. So, you know, just, just keep working. That's all you can really do. Just got to stay, stay humble and let the kids know that the journey's not over yet. <laughs> A hundred percent. I know that's right. And of course, they're high schoolers, so it's always a little difficult to keep everyone a hundred percent focused. But you guys do a fantastic job over there at Bishop Gordon. Well, co- Coach, congratulations again on winning the award. Congratulations on going 10 and 0, being the number one seed. I know the journey's not over. You got a lot of uh, goals still ahead of you, including uh, playing in that state championship game. So, uh, congratulations. We appreciate your time and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. And go, Gales. There he goes, Coach Brett Browner right there from Bishop Gorman. High expectations, super high expectations for that program each and every year. They do a fantastic job. He does a fantastic job. And everyone that goes through that program, they they think about state championships. They think about college scholarships. They think about playing on Sundays. And they've got a lot of guys represented in college, and they've got guys represented in the National Football League as well. So many thanks to uh, Coach Brent Browner for giving us some time this afternoon. i uh, got some more calls and texts. Well, i got some more texts that I want to get to, a 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, this one's from the 626. Mr. Q, don't really matter who starts at quarterback. A quarterback capable of winning a Super Bowl is not on this roster. All this team could hope to do is clean up mistakes and be competitive. Go Raiders. That's from the 626. And, you know, at some point you would have to think that they have their their long-term solution because I agree that the long-term solution is is not on the on the roster right now unless Aiden O'Connell turns out to be that guy. And obviously I, I can't say that he's not that guy because we haven't seen it. So I don't want to put it out there and say that he's not. I know when he was drafted I wasn't real high on him because I was looking for a guy that was mobile, a guy that could, you know, run around a little bit, you know, keep plays alive. But at the same time, you, that's, there's, there's more than one way to get it done. So he very well easily could be that guy. We just haven't seen it. So I guess I shouldn't say he's not on the roster. I just – my gut feeling tells me he's not on the roster. And the Aiden O'Connell will go in there and show what he can do, and they'll make a decision if, if that could be the long-term solution or if he's uh, a solution, right, or if he's a guy that, you know, is on the, on the roster as maybe a potential backup uh, at best. So we'll see. But thank you for the text. I do appreciate you. Also from the 707, hey, Q, if you can, could you clarify Coach Lombardi's role? 
especially after hearing his interview. Seems like he's a silent partner. Since McDaniels runs everything offensively, I'm legitimately unclear on this. It doesn't seem like a normal coordinator situation, and he almost seems unneeded. That's from the 707. And no, he's definitely needed, and he's working hand-in-hand with, with Coach McDaniels on the offensive game plan. Uh, and he's, uh, he's doing a lot of work in, in, during practice as well with the players. Uh, he's running them through drills. I mean, he knows the, he knows the, the playbook. Uh, he knows all that, and and during the preseason, actually calls the plays, right? So I mean, he's I think that's his next role, his next step. Um, not necessarily with the Raiders, but maybe it is. Maybe at some point, Coach McDaniel says, you know what? Let's go ahead and and you do this. Sometimes that's what the you know the natural progression is. Sometimes the the head the head man decides not to be the play caller anymore and decides to you know pass it on. But yeah, he works hand in hand with all the the offensive players. He's he's very much a big part of, of the Raiders' offense, and he's up there coaching these guys up as well uh, as Coach McDaniel, especially on game day, is CEOing the whole team, even though he is the offensive play caller. Uh, Coach Lombardi is all over it, right? He, he is there, He's definitely a, a major factor. There's a lot of these coaches on the, on the staff that you may look at and say, yeah, I don't know exactly what he does, but they play, they play a pretty big role. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's see. We got another one. That I was trying to get to. Uh, here we go. Nash from H-Town. I always like that, man. Anytime your name is Nash and you're from H-Town, that's a hell of a text right there. Uh, after Sunday, I disagree with you, Q. All Kool-Aid is not the same. The Aiden O'Connell flavor would have been much better. On the trade front, I find a home I find a home for Hunter, help him, and help us next year. Besides, Trey Tucker needs his reps. Devontae Adams not going anywhere. No contenders need a wide receiver. If Derek Brown is available, make the move. Draft is always a crapshoot. DB play is young and is in position of need. That's from Nash from H-Town. And, uh, okay, I, I, I'm with you. And like I said, I thought that Brian Hoyer, that one flavor of Kool-Aid made more sense on Sunday. Clearly it was not the right decision, right? I <laughs> mentioned that on, on Monday, mentioned that today. I mean, that obviously was a bad decision, uh, you know, it couldn't have gotten any worse than, than what Brian Hoyer did on Sunday, that's for sure, right? So Aiden O'Connell, even if he did start the game, uh, and the key was not, not to make mistakes. You didn't want to see the Raiders get behind like 14 points and have to try to come back. Well, guess what? With the veteran in there, what they do? They got behind 14 points and had to try to come back, and as I mentioned, they're not built like that. So uh, it, it backfired. It didn't work the way that I thought it was going to work. Uh, Aiden O'Connell might have been the guy to, to get it done, and who knows? He might not have, right? That was one of the things I was saying on, uh, on Monday – I don't know if it even would have mattered who the quarterback was because it just seems like the overall effort wasn't good, especially after that missed field goal by Daniel Carlson early on. It just didn't seem like things were going well. The one thing that I think Aiden O'Connell would have definitely done different than Brian Hoyer, I think he would have probably spread the ball around a little bit more. Right? I think he would have had no problem trying to hit Trey Tucker, try to hit Michael Mayer, try to hit – Devontae Adams, try to hit Jacoby Myers, as opposed to Devontae, 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 Jacoby, 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 Devontae, 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 Jacoby, Jacoby, you know what I mean? Like, it just sounded like, it sounded like a bad hip-hop song, right? The beats were off, right? It's like, it's like a bad, have you ever been to a club where the bad DJ, the, the guy that only makes 50 bucks to, to blend the beats, and he's always off, he's always a train wreck? Oh, there's those guys out there. Trust me, if you, if you ain't been to the club in a while, you'll understand what I'm saying. Ari, you know. You know damn well. I ain't been in forever, and I know what you're talking about. Right. There's, there was, at one time, there was a DJ that if he was in the club, he was the ish. He was the guy. You knew that he could do it at an A level, A-plus level every time. Then clubs started getting cheap, and they're like, they'd go to some guy that's just learned how to DJ by way of computer and not by way of actually matching beats. 
And be like, oh, I can do it for 50 bucks. I just want to get exposure. Oh, you're in. And all of a sudden, it's be like, a great song's on. You know, like total train wreck, just a collision. And everyone's on the dance floor like, what the hell was that? Then you need someone like me to try to cover it up by talking real loud. <laughs> it's such a buzzkill, that right there. Right, oh, right. I used to, it's funny, I used to always uh, make the joke when I'd be in the club and, and I'd be on the mic and somebody would, whatever DJ it was, would be that guy and he would have some kind of terrible train wreck. I would say, hey, dog, we're not on the radio. You can't hit a sweeper to cover up your, <laughs> your uh, inability, your inability to match beats and what a sweeper is for anyone who doesn't know. It's that little kind of little sound effect liner, the little shh. Yep. you're listening to whatever in between songs that you hear on the radio that kind of gets you from one song to the other without actually matching the beats kind of like a cheat code and an identifier of the radio station in the club you ain't got that that cheat code right you're supposed to know how to match beats problem is and i know i sound like the old man in the room and i'm okay with that because i am but the problem is that everyone started learning how to be a dj by way of computer and they don't really know like one of the big craft. things that you know what bothers me the most and then i'll get off my soapbox and take a break i promise <laughs> We go to the drop bar a lot in the Green Valley Ranch, right, GVR. Love the drop bar. Friday night, Saturday night, it's just a place to relax, chill, have a couple drinks, listen to some music. When I know it's going to be a bad night is when there's a DJ in there and he has no headphones. Oh. When he doesn't have headphones, I'm like, I tell the wife, it's going to be a bad night. It's going to be a bad night. If he doesn't use headphones, he's not good. I am. Um... And no disrespect to anyone who's out there who's DJing in their garage right now practicing and is not using headphones. If you don't uh -huh. have headphones, you're not good. Ari is, like, all stressing. The all the disrespect <laughs> to you if you're not using headphones. There, there's some things you just need headphones for. I know. Like, I know. Like talking in the mic right now if I don't right. have my headphones on. Oh, I'm we got people at the radio station talking. that don't even have headphones, so don't get me started oh, on that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> don't get me started on that, Ari. But, no, seriously, I always know it's going to be a bad night when we're at the drop bar and we look over and I see a DJ with no headphones. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hell. And I'll just say on a good to end in a high note, on the complete opposite, you get a great blend with some smooth stuff oh, where you're man. like, oh, he blended those two. Oh, Ooh, yeah, and the transition, yeah. oh, that'll man. make your night. I feel that, so. that'll, And I'm telling you, and it doesn't have to be all hip-hop all night. Sure. I don't, I'm not that guy. I love all kind of music. And when you can go from hip-hop to something else to something else, back to hip-hop, hit some Latin music in there too, right. man, yeah. that's that's a night. Hit me with Ole. some rock. I'm good. That's a night. And you can find a way to transition, bada-boom, bada-bang, bada-boom, bada-bang. And you don't have a bunch of train wrecks, you're all good, man. You are all good. I can't even tell you how I got on this conversation, but I did. <laughs> so, whatever. I don't even know how this conversation started, <laughs> but it did. And I'm okay with that. I got it off my chest. Tell them why you're mad, bro. Tell them why you're mad. <laughs> 445 is the time. We'll come back, close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Here's your boy Q. Let's close out the show with a little Aces parade sound as they had their parade here in Vegas yesterday. Really cool to see. Right after I left the Oyo at 5 o'clock, they were really getting things going. And I remember being at last year's parade. I didn't get to go and attend yesterday's parade, but I remember being there last year. It was a hell of a celebration. Uh, the fact that... You know, they had to end up shutting down both sides of the strip. Well, this was a little bit different because the strip is under construction with F1, so they had to switch things up a little bit, and they ended up in Toshiba Plaza, which I know a lot of fans gathered at and had a hell of a time. And you could tell that the young ladies and coach had a hell of a time as well. They're not the only one. Owner Mark Davis had a hell of a time as well. So here's Mark Davis at the parade speaking to the crowd, just talking about the team and the – uh-oh, hold on. Ari said hold on. He just lost the sound. Never mind. Uh, what are we doing? 
All right, we're gonna. Are we? Are we? Uh, are we producing live on the air? <laughs> that we are. Uh, just talk for like ten seconds. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about DJs not using headphones. <laughs> but no. So Mark Davis was was uh, at, at the parade, and obviously he's gonna address the crowd like he always does. And I know he was super excited, and uh, there was a lot of fans out there having a good time. And uh, Ari, you look totally confused. Should I just like? Bail on this mission. What uh, do you I'm, want ju- to do? I'm just going to do the live radio thing. The first one we have is uh, is Asia, and I'm wondering if I somehow wrote that. A four one two. The number is A four one two. That's where I want to start. A four one two. Thank you for that. All, All right. right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad this is the end of the show. <laughs> Everything yeah, is red. It is now anyway. This. Man, so unbelievable. Here, so here we go. You got it. Yep. Listen, All right. Listen up, everyone. Here's Mark Davis talking about the Las Vegas Aces, aka the badass women in the Aces. It's hard to win a championship. It's even harder to repeat. But when you got great women running an organization, Nikki Fargus, president, Natalie Williams, the general manager, and Becky Hammond, the greatest coach in the world, and you got 12 badass women that know how to play basketball, and you surround them with an organization that knows just one thing, and that's to just win. That's what you get. Las Vegas, we are still the world champions. There's not much more I can say except for the fact that we've got the best fans in the world. You showed up every night out there at Mandalay Bay, Michelob Arena, and we had the largest crowds in the the WNBA this year. You helped us win this championship. And we expect to see you all back next year. There's Mark Davis right there and giving a lot of love to the crowd. And, and a lot of love is deserved to the crowd. They are, they are ones that show up early. They show up often. And they are loud at Michelob Ultra. I say it's an experience to go out to uh, Aces game if you have not done it yet. When you have the next opportunity to do so, you should check it out. Not only is the team great, but, man, the, the, just the way that they put on a show and, and the way that the crowd gets so into it, uh, it's something. It's like I said, it's an experience. Uh, there's a lot of folks that show up, celebrities, basketball players, NBA guys, uh, all kind of stars show up all the time. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a great time out. You should definitely check it out. Well, here's Asia Wilson. Uh, she was obviously somebody that talked early and often at the at the uh, at at the parade as well. And she did not win the MVP this year. She should have won the MVP, but she did not. But here's Asia Wilson at the parade. So my teammates already talked enough shit, so I don't really got to talk a lot of shit. At the end of the day, we got the ring, and that's all that matters. Yeah, we're champs. But I do want to take this time out just to just show so much appreciation to my teammates, our staff, everybody in between. You guys, like Cindy said, the best fans in the world. Yeah, 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 we'll take that. But no, uh, a lot of people doubted us. Game three, a lot of people doubted us. It was a moment where we kind of shed a tear because we lost two. But boy, we had a mighty, mighty, mighty bitch mob, man. Man. Uh, and we already know what happened at game four. We got, we got us a dub. Yeah, bitch mob. Big, big, big bitch mob. Not the little one. You know that, period. Asia Wilson feeling herself at the parade right there, talking a little trash, talking a little noise. I'm not mad at that. Let's close out with Becky Hammond. As Mark Davis said, she is the greatest coach in the world, and I think that she was the best person for that job of the Aces. Here she is talking about the GOAT, Asia Wilson. Listen here. I'm an old-ass bitch. 
played against all the goats. Oh, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna put it out there. This is gonna be the goat of the goats. She don't even know I'm, gonna be, I'm about to be on that ass. Cause she's that good. I'm trying to think of an NBA comp. I'm trying to think of a WNBA comp. And there ain't nobody in the world like Asia Wilson. There you go. Becky Hammond talking about Asia. And you can tell that there is a little bit of influence going on with those young ladies at the parade. But that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to have a good time. So uh, hopefully uh, they continue to have a good time and appreciate their championship back-to-back champions. That's going to do it for us. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Have a great night. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.